think I pulled a muscle. Would y'all just, uh, pretty sure, take your Bibles if you would. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19 this morning as we continue this series on gospel conversations. We had a great start to our uh, workshop Wednesday night. I think we had 50 or 60 folks in there in the fellowship hall, but it is not too late to join. Be a part of it. It's very simple. We watch a video uh, we do a little practice. It's just a great opportunity to come together on Wednesday night and learn how to just share your faith in a very conversational way. Uh, just to draw these three circles and these lines. And so I've been doing that over the last few Sundays. But I encourage you to come Wednesday night right here from 6 to 7. And we'll just go that hour. It's a wonderful time together. You can come for dinner before, but you need to purchase those tickets if you want to come to dinner. And then there's all the things for children and youth and everything we do on Wednesday night. So I encourage you to come back. But we had a great start to that. And uh, uh, what I've been doing over the last few weeks is just walking through the, the key concepts of the gospel and how someone becomes a Christian. And having a conversation about the gospel, we really need to understand uh, the, the, what it really is. And I don't take for granted that a person who's been coming to church their entire life truly understands the essence of the gospel. It was in that song that we just sung. It was finished. Where? On the cross. It was finished on the cross. Now, where does that leave us? Well, what we're going to see in this story today is that you and I must respond to the work of Christ on the cross. You and I need to make a decision related to that. And that decision, that arrow that goes from uh, brokenness to new life in the gospel requires uh, uh, what you'll see in someone who understands the gospel and wants that salvation is you will see belief and repentance. Belief and repentance. Those are the things that are the fruit of saving faith. And there's a tremendous example of this in a wee little man. What's his name? How many of you have ever heard the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he? Yeah, we all know that. If you don't know that, it's okay. You're in the club too, okay? If you've never heard that song, you're fine. I don't know that we sing it that much anymore, but it's about a real person named Zacchaeus. And he was small in stature. Considering the fact that the average height probably in Jesus' day was, of a man was between 5'4 and 5'7, he must have really been little. And so let's look at this story and look at this next step in gospel conversations. Believe and repent. Luke 19, verse 1. You'll never think of Zacchaeus again, folks. If you'll stick with me, you'll never think of him the same way. I don't think you'll ever think of Jesus the same way if you see this today. So stick with me, okay? Listen to what it says. He entered Jericho. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing where? He's on his way through. 
But God had a divine appointment for him. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he couldn't because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, climbed up into what kind of tree? A sycamore tree. By the way, we were just in Israel. You can go to Israel. Israel's kind of a funny place in this way. There's a guy in his backyard has that sycamore tree. It's still there 2,000 years later. It's probably not the sycamore tree. But if you want to see it, there's a guy that has it over there. But there was one there, and he climbed up in the sycamore tree to see Jesus. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and received Jesus joyfully. And when they saw it, the rest of the town folk, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a what? A sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord. Notice what happens in his life. The half of my goods I give to the poor. And I have defrauded, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, which he hath. If he were a rich, what? Tax collector. He hath. I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Teach us today, Heavenly Father, through your word that is so true and precious. Teach us what we need to learn from the story of this wee little man. Help us see ourselves in Zacchaeus. Help us see the gospel in Jesus. Help us see the brokenness of man and the power of salvation through Christ. And ultimately, Father, the goal of this series is to help us go tell people about it. To have gospel conversations because God in every tree in Gainesville, in every apartment building, all across this city, there are Zacchaeuses looking for hope. Everyday people. God just inspires us and challenges us today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we get into this passage just a little bit more, really excited about next week. Can I ask two uh, couple of favors from you as we get ready for Easter? As you look, this is a pretty pretty good crowd at our 930 service, and we are going to have a lot of visitors next Sunday morning, so we are going to have overflow service in the Family Life Center. It's going to have great music, and I'm, they're pumping me over there, and preaching, you'll watch it by video, but we we need 100 or 200 of you, if you would, would be willing to do that. Uh, just come to 930 service in the gym next week, if you would be willing to do that. 
And you say, why would I do that? Because we have a core principle around here called we over me. Thank you. We over me. And we have invited, as I said, we put door hangers on thousands and thousands and thousands of homes. And they all said, come Easter Sunday. Do we want to see our guests welcomed wonderfully and come to know Jesus? Yes, we do. All right. So just think about that next week. So if you, if you are in the room, let me ask you to do something else. Uh, scoot to the middle. Uh, don't make it about your comfort next week. Make it about the comfort of folks that come in a little bit late. We'll have a lot of ushers putting people. Scoot towards the middle. I know it's not your favorite seat. And the preordained from beginning of the foundation of the earth seat. It may not be. But it's we over me. All right. So uh, the reason that we value people like that who might be far from God is because we see in verse 10 our mission statement. This is the mission of God. Look what it says in verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the who? The lost. That is the mission of God. That is the mission of our church. If you remember the circles that I've been drawing, um, there's the first circle that is God's design. And we've broken that design through sin. And so God has this mission to help bring broken, separated, condemned human beings back into right design, the design relationship that he wants to have with them. And so Easter Sunday, is it's about a lot of wonderful things, and every Sunday is about a lot of wonderful things. Uh, it's going to be great music, and I can't wait to see all of you in your pretty dresses and all of those things. But you know, ultimately, Easter's not about pink dresses, it's not about picture opportunities and stuffed eggs. It is about reaching the lost. That's the mission of Christ. That's our mission. And so Jesus, every waking moment of his day was a we over me moment. And think about what he's doing in this passage. He's passing through Jericho Days before crucifixion, he has left for his final time the home he loves. He is on a path to death, suffering and pain. He is saying, we over me, to every single one of us in this passage and in this walk. And it starts down by the Sea of Galilee. And he would walk down through the valley the, uh, of Jordan. And then he would come to uh, Jericho. And there in Jericho, you had to pass through Jericho. You'd take a right. And you'd walk up through this big giant crevice for about 18 miles through the Judean wilderness to come to the temple in Jerusalem. This hike uh, was physically demanding, but it wasn't near as demanding as the spiritual walk Christ had been on for 33 years, seeking to save the lost. And there's an amazing story here that passing through Jericho, he stops and he saves the lowest of the low. Zacchaeus. And there's an incredible lesson in this 
if we'll look at it, point one is what we see. When he talks to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is a, in the, perhaps the epitome of broken humanity. And so the first point that we'll see in this story is the full extent of man's brokenness. And Luke, the gospel writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has put together these stories and this passage in a beautiful sequence to help you see Jesus go to the lowest point before he goes to the cross. And and Luke is saying, listen, Gentile world, if Jesus will stop, and save this wee little rich thief named Zacchaeus. He can save you. This is who he's going to the cross for. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was, uh, as you know, a tax collector. You had to be a full-blown traitor to your people to be a tax collector. You sold your soul to the Roman government to be a tax collector, a publican. You had, to, you had to squirm your way in there, buy your way in there, and then as they would collect taxes, they had every right to just pocket and overcharge. And if it says you're a rich tax collector, you have been robbing people at an extraordinary, above uh, the normal level, wickedness. And it came to this man. And Jesus said, it is into your house that I'm going today. Here's what I'd never seen before until this week. If you would, take your Bibles and look back in chapter 18. I want you to see it for yourselves. If you've got a, There's a pew Bible underneath your chair if you need a Bible or an iPad or whatever you got. I want you to flip back to chapter 18. You're going to see something remarkable in the person of Zacchaeus in the way that The gospel prepares us for this encounter with Zacchaeus. Notice the trip that Jesus had on his way up. In chapter 18, I'm not going to read the verses. I just want you to notice in verses 9 through uh, 14, it tells the story of a tax collector at the temple with a Pharisee. And we see this miserable tax collector who is riddled with guilt seeking forgiveness. And then at, in Luke chapter 18, verse 16, we have another story that you're probably familiar with in that there were parents trying to bring their little children to get to Jesus so that he could just touch them. And we find that the disciples were blocking their way and weren't letting the people bring their children to Jesus. You remember what Jesus said? He rebuked the disciples who were rebuking the mamas and the daddies. He said, let the little children come to me. Y'all familiar with that story? You've heard that. And then he goes on in chapter 18 and he runs into a rich ruler. A rich ruler comes up to him and this man, is, it says he's extremely wealthy and he is seeking salvation. He says, how can I be saved? I've kept all the commandments. And you know the story, Jesus says... Uh, you need to sell all your possessions and, and give, half to the, give it to the poor and all these things. And he, he just couldn't do it. And then he turns to his disciples and he says to his disciples, it is harder for a camel to go through the eye of a what? Needle. Than for a wealthy person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. How hard is it? I can't even put a thread through the eye of a needle. 
And people will say, well, that's a little gate in the wall. It's hard to get a camel through a little tiny gate. However you want to interpret that. What Jesus is saying, and he says it in this next verse, in that little passage, he says, it is impossible. But what is impossible with man is possible with who? So he, he tells the story of the rich young ruler. And he continues on in chapter 18. Jesus foretells his death in verse 31 through 33. And then he tells a, a final story before we get to Zacchaeus. He, he tells the story of a blind beggar who's sitting by the roadside right outside of Jericho as Jesus is coming into Jericho and he's crying out, Son of David, Jesus, heal me. And notice what it says. It says that that blind beggar is actually blocked. There are people in front of him, between him and Jesus. And they're saying, quiet down, we're in front. And Jesus heals that blind man and receives him sight. Now look at that list real quick. A tax collector... A little, little people, extremely wealthy, who can't see. Who's that sound like, church? It sounds like Zacchaeus. The Holy Spirit wants us to see in chapter 18 the full context. It looks at all of these various problems. A tax collector who's a sinner. A tax collector who couldn't get to, who was guilt-ridden. He, should, they, he tells the story of little people that couldn't get to Jesus, little children that were blocked from the presence of Jesus. And then there's an sh- extremely rich man who is trying to find salvation and can't. And then you have someone who cannot see that desperately wants to see. Listen, God's word's amazing. It is pointing. He is taking these stories and pointing it. It culminates in a person who exemplifies all four of those things. He's an extremely rich little tax collector that is just desperately trying to see Jesus. What does all of this tell us? I think the word is trying to get us to see that Zacchaeus is the... If if God were to paint a picture of us not physically but spiritually, it would look like this. He's trying to get us to see the condition of man. And it doesn't matter if we're six foot eight here this morning or four foot eight. We're not talking about our physical DNA. It's our spiritual DNA that is our problem. You and I are all we little men. You and I are desperately apart from Christ. We cannot see. Apart from Christ, we are blocked from the presence of the saving God. Apart from Christ, we are like desperate tax collectors, guilt-ridden, and we have no salvation. Apart from Christ, we are not able to see. And so Jesus wants us to see in Zacchaeus the, the full measure of man's brokenness. Romans 3.10 says this about human beings. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. Not one understands, no one seeks for God. 
All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. The throat of a human being is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is on their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's Romans 3, 10 through 18. And you say, man, I'm glad I'm not that bad of a person. And then in verse 23, it says, uh, all have what? Sinned and fallen way short. Fallen way what? Short. Of the glory of God. Zacchaeus is a, the epitome of man's ultimate brokenness. But I want you to see the second point of this story is to show us the, the measure of God's love. The power and the purpose of the gospel. The power and the purpose of the gospel. Notice back in 18 verse 31 what what is kind of slid right into these stories of the tax collector, the children that couldn't get to God, the blind man that couldn't see Jesus, all of these. What is slipped right into this right before it comes to the worst of the worst, uh, Zacchaeus and Jericho, what is slipped in there? Look at verse 31. And taking the twelve disciples, Jesus said to them, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. What's going to be accomplished... When he goes up to Jerusalem, the historical events through which God reconciles the world to himself. What he is about to tell us is the gospel we learned last week. For he, Jesus says, he, the Son of Man, will be delivered over to the Gentiles. He'll be mocked, shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will what? They will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. And so Jesus, just right there in between all of the desperate blindness and guiltiness and, and, and broken bodies and, and wealth and greed, right in the midst is the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And he delivers it to himself and it says the disciples didn't get it. But you and I get it now. And Zacchaeus gets it in the next chapter. So uh, just, I mean, I love God's word the way it just, it, it drives us to the point. So Jesus comes into Jericho. And the Holy Spirit said, there's a man in that tree up there. I know you're passing through, but there's a man in that tree up there. And he is the epitome of all the worst that we've seen. You take the worst that's in Gainesville and you roll it all up into one person. He's up in that tree. You're going to go to his house today. He's going to find salvation so that not one person at Westside Baptist Church 2,000 years from now when Chauncey preaches the God, not one person can say, I'm too bad. I'm unreachable. I'm too far gone. Nope. The power and the purpose of the gospel. The Son of Man came to seek. And who's he looking for now in Jericho? He's seeking those that are far from God. That's the purpose 
of Christ, the mission of the church. He's seeking to save that which lost, which is lost. And it's just amazing to me, astounding to me, that just a couple of weeks ago, we saw Adam hiding in a tree from God. And now this week, we see Zacchaeus stuck up in that tree. And Jesus comes to this place. He says, come down from that tree. I am reestablishing a relationship between broken man and a holy God. I'm coming into your house. And the reason I can do that is I'm going to Jerusalem to die in your place and raised from the dead do you see the gospel church that's the good news Zacchaeus is just a a beautiful example of the good news there's something amazing about the fact that this happens in Jericho a couple things you may not know about Jericho Jericho is the oldest city in the world the oldest known city in the world. Not only is it the oldest city in the world, get this, it is the lowest city in the world. We were just there, 800 feet below sea level. You'd be freezing to death up in Jerusalem, be 40, 30 degrees in Jerusalem. You'd, you'd go 18 miles down to Jericho, it'd be in the 70s. In the You know what's interesting about Jericho is not only is it the oldest city in the world, the lowest city in the world, but just just right down, just a couple of miles uh, within sight is the Dead Sea. Do you think God knew what he was doing when he put the gospel in Israel? Do you think God knew what he was doing when he brought Jesus to the lowest form of life the lowest sinner in the lowest city right near the deadest ocean and he saved him Jesus could not have gone to a place that was any lower on this earth he could not have gone to a person who would have been any more hated And that hated person was even short. (laughs) I like short people personally. I think we're superior. But anyway, I think it was just, I just think it was to just say, Jesus went from the highest throne room of heaven to the lowest person on earth. He said, I'm going to pay the price for you. That's the gospel. Notice what happened in Zacchaeus' life. This is just, this is the fruit. How do I know that Zacchaeus became a believer? Well, Look at, look at his actions. Look at his actions. What's the response of salvation? One verse. This is a great verse. This is the response of salvation. Luke 19, verse 6. So he just got the message. He's up in the tree. 
Jesus said, I'm going to your house today. This very proud, rich, wealthy man hurried down the tree, came down, and received Jesus how? Joyfully. He received him joyfully. Can I just tell you, step one to getting saved, step one to becoming a follower of Christ, step one to to uh, God lifting you out of the pit. Step one is receiving the gospel joyfully, receiving Jesus joyfully. But to receive him joyfully, you have to come down. You've got to get down off of whatever you think is lifting you up. Maybe it's all those good works that you do. Maybe it is that popular job and all that money that you have. Maybe it is the degrees you have on the wall. However you are covering things up and making yourself feel okay, if you're hiding in the trees or you climbed up in the trees, whatever position it is, this wee little man teaches us the first step of salvation is humility, humbling our heart before God. We have to come down. so glad he didn't make us go up to get him I'm so glad he didn't say have to climb that mountain to find me I'm at the top of Everest only the the toughest and the best and the most fit you're the only ones that can find Jesus no I'm glad that I he could he he may have I just picture him I can't wait to get to heaven and meet this little guy I can't wait I just, I just imagine he was so excited, he just fell out of the tree. <laughs> he was in such a hurry, he just fell out. Listen, that's how you got to come to Jesus. You, you just, you got nothing to add. He's come down. Then second of all, you receive him joyfully. You receive him. You believe. And then notice what he did. He repented of his sin. It changed the way he lived. He realized, I am doing things that are unholy and wrong, and he was willing to turn. Look at verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He repented of his sins. If you won't come down of your tree... You won't repent of your sins. You have not received Jesus joyfully. Those two things go hand in hand. When you understand how little you are and how big Jesus is, you're ready to be saved. Jesus was on his way to supper. He passed through Jericho. He came out of spending the the evening there with Lazarus. I mean, not Lazarus, Zacchaeus. And then he went on up to Jerusalem. And he had a last supper with his disciples. And he said, you remember Zacchaeus? This is what this is about. This is a new covenant where people can be saved not by how big they are. Not by how righteous they are. This is a new covenant that is based not on how well you follow the law. Because compared to the law, all of us are we little men. This is a new covenant in my blood. 
where people can be saved by my grace through their faith. Would you bow your heads? Would you just thank God? I've never lived in Jericho. But I know this. I know that Jesus had to go to the lowest place to save me. And he did it out of love for you, love for me, and out of grace. Would you take just these next few moments to thank him and to understand that Jesus can tear down the biggest walls and lift up the littlest men. And he can do that in your life. He can restore you to relationship with God. And if some of you with your heads bowed and your eyes closed do not feel like you've ever come down out of your tree to receive Jesus, you've never humbled yourself, maybe you could do that right now. I know you can, it's just a matter of if you will. He is inviting you into a relationship with him today. Would you come down out of your tree? Just humble yourself. Turn to Jesus right now and say, I receive you and your forgiveness and I receive your eternal life joyfully. Just say that to Jesus in your heart. I receive you joyfully. And I repent of my sin. Just say that to him. And he will gladly take you into his family. Remember what he said about Zacchaeus? He turned to everybody and said, this is now a true son of Abraham. He's in my family. Because he believed and repented. Father, I just, I lift up those who have maybe just right now prayed to receive Christ. And I thank you that you put it on our hearts and put it into their hearts that they've heard your voice, that you came to them today and you responded. And God, now as we prepare to take these elements, we just pause and we just humble ourselves before you, so thankful for what you have done. Just now as our deacons prepare to come forward, you just spend some time confessing sin, praising the Lord, preparing your heart for this table together. It says in Romans 3.23, as we quoted earlier, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then it goes on to say in the very next verse, but all are justified by His grace as a gift. A gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. To be received by faith. 
to receive joyfully by faith. And listen to what happens. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness now at the present time. So that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Never forget what this cup represents. Through his blood, you are now justified. Legally set free from the consequences of your sin. Have you thought about that? That's good news. Set free. It was finished on the cross. Finished. And so he took the cup that night, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And all God's people said, Amen. What's our response, church, to this gospel we humble ourselves we come down out of the tree we humble ourselves we receive Jesus joyfully we repent of our sin but there's one other thing we can't leave this story without seeing can you imagine what the city was like after the very next day When Zacchaeus comes out from becoming a Christian, he comes out, and what does he start doing the very next day, church? He starts handing out money. Who had he robbed? The city. I wonder if that same crowd, when Jesus was coming through the crowd, if they had known what was going to happen when Zacchaeus got saved? What would, what would have been their attitude? I'm just thinking fleshly right here. If they had known what would happen when that, that guy in the tree that they all hated, if they had known what would happen when his life was changed, what would they have done? The city would have been climbing that tree to get him down and get him to Jesus. They're everywhere in Gainesville. They're everywhere. What are we doing about it? Here's what we're doing. Every time we come together, I'm going to ask you, are you having gospel conversations with Zacchaeus? They're everywhere. Everyday people. And we don't know what's going to happen. We just know that when... When people come to know Jesus, their lives are changed. And the ripple effects of that, we don't control. We just know God can do amazing things through a changed life. What's our job? Climb the tree. Take them to Jesus. Go have gospel conversations this week. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray that as we sing this song of invitation...
as we close this service with this and our video, God, that we would just rejoice in what you did for Zacchaeus. But I pray if there's some that have just had that Zacchaeus moment themselves this morning, that they would come as we sing. Come to one of our, our invitation assistants. Come to me. But God, I pray that you'd just send all of us out. There are people who just, they really want to know who you are and where your mouthpiece. Help us go have gospel conversations. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand together? Let's sing. You come as the Lord leads you this morning. You come.